First of all, big, big love for everyone who's tuning back in again this week and a very big warm welcome if you are new here in this space. I'm so happy that you're now officially part of the AA family. Just to quickly reintroduce myself, I'm Chelsea, founder of Sustainably Driven Streetwear brand Anima Animus, and your podcast host today on the Anima Animus podcast, which is a safe space where we can sit down each week and connect with other like-minded designers, brands, and all sorts of other creatives within the sustainable fashion world to drive these open and chilled conversations about fashion sustainability. Before we jump into this week's call, you guys have to grab your phones and search up this week's brand because they are absolutely one of the most stunning upcoming fashion brands that I've come across recently. And the best part is when you first look at these beautiful dresses, you literally can't even tell that it is recycled. And just that thought is just really empowering in itself because it is exactly what the mission and vision of this week's guest and brand. I'm so grateful to have on Lottie Bertello join the AA family this week. Lottie is the founder, fashion designer, an absolute recycling queen behind her fashion label Lottie, which transforms pre-loved men's shirts into super feminine and beautiful angelic addresses. Her Instagram feed and all the aesthetics you'll see will literally make you feel so excited for summer which is around the corner. As Lottie takes wearing your boyfriend's shirt to a whole new level, I really hope this conversation leaves you feeling inspired as much as I did about how we can rethink and relook the way we view the concept of recycling and upcycling. What's up, Lottie? Welcome to the Anima Animas podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, and thank you for having me. No worries. I'm excited. I first came across your amazing brand on Facebook. It was the visuals, which really caught my eye. (laughs) That's good. That's great for me. Yeah, so good. So impactful. Beautiful dresses. And I was so shocked that it was just made out of old men's shirts. Like, it just didn't come yeah just really surprising that's a good reaction i want people to be surprised so i appreciate that Mm, amazing um so we always start off our episodes with a little game and it's called aa assumptions and that's when i ask my guests three statements and they can reply if they think it's true or false and why so you ready i'm ready cool so the first one is there's a big difference between upcycling and recycling. True or false? This is true. And I'm so happy you asked that because I feel like we've been talking a lot about this on my Instagram. Um, the biggest difference between upcycling and recycling is kind of the state of the material you are using. So when you're recycling something, you're totally changing the state of the material. So a good example is how we recycle paper or how we recycle cotton. They all go down to like, the fibers of the actual material. 
And when you're upcycling, you're not changing the state of the material. You're just reusing it and making something of higher value, usually of higher environmental or aesthetic value. Mm. Yeah, so we are upcycling since we're not processing our cotton and making new cotton. We're just using the shirts kind of as is. Of course, we're making some changes since we're disassembling them and whatnot, which I'll talk more about later. But yes, Mm. that's the main difference. Yeah, that's cool. And then the second assumption is all sustainable clothing is very basic and neutral. I mean, we all just know what your brand is going to be like. So, <laughs> Oh my God, I, my blood boils. But I understand where this assumption comes from. And this is false, 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 incredibly false. Um, I think that's kind of where sustainable clothing started just because a lot of sustainable brands focus on natural fibers, which are like hemp and linen that usually come in these raw natural colors. Um, but now there's so much, there's so many cool new brands that are sustainable that, you know, do not fit that mold at all. Like Paloma Wool, Maggie Marilyn, Aloha Shoes. There's just all the different categories have cool, fun, exciting brands that do not fit this, you know, bland, neutral mold. So <laughs> get out there. Maybe I can even send you a little list of brands for your listeners to check out if that's what they're thinking yes. about sustainable brands. Yeah, there's so many new fun brands out there. Yeah, for sure. I agree. No, definitely send me those links because I put them in the pod notes for Great. the listeners. Amazing. And then the third and final assumption is we need fast fashion brands to make clothes more accessible to everyone. This is an interesting one, but it's definitely false. We do need to make more clothing accessible to everyone, but fast fashion brands are absolutely not the answer. Um, Fast fashion brands actually end up oppressing the most vulnerable groups that you would think need more accessible clothing. So I think in the design space is our responsibility to find better ways to make clothing more accessible to people um, in all economic brackets. Just because clothing is not only so important for, you know, protection, that's like the basic need for clothing, but for Mm -hmm. self-expression and nobody should be denied from that. But fast fashion should not be allowed is not the answer. It's actually such a negative, it creates such a negative impact on, you know, the the planet and its people. So, no, this is false. Fast fashion is a terrible, terrible, quote unquote, solution that we've we've come up with the fashion industry has kind of come up with but it's never been about the people and it's never been about making clothing more accessible to people it's always been about profits so we have Mm. to keep that in mind yeah I think it's such an interesting concept I feel like where in which direction accessibility is taken you know like the approach to accessibility it's such an interesting concept yeah, they kind of have clinged on to this idea to kind of make it somewhat passable, but that's not what they're about at all, and we need to stop justifying it. Yeah, maybe it could be like an accessibility greenwashing sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. A mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting things. But we do have to address making clothing more accessible. That's a separate thing. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. I feel like we will dive into that a bit more later, but yes. just so that our listeners get a, get to know you a little bit better, who is Lossie? Who is Lossie behind <laughs> the brand Lossie? <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself and why you started Lossie. 
Um, it's funny because I think I have like a similar story to many other designers. Like I knew I wanted to pursue fashion since I was really little. I did all the cliche things from like making little clothes for my Barbies and participating oh. in my high school fashion shows. You know, I've heard this broken record many times, but I think it holds true for a lot of us. And now looking back, it's almost a little like weird that I never once thought about any other fact, like any other career path for myself other than fashion. Yeah, none. I think when I was like seven, I had a little stint of wanting to be a veterinarian because I saved a burby, baby turtle <laughs> in Fort Lauderdale. And I was like, this is, I love animals, but quickly went back to clothes. Um, so yeah, I went to school for fashion and textile design. I went to SCAD it's in Savannah, Georgia. Um, but up until a few years ago, I was actually really vocal about how I did not want to start my own thing. You know, I had a lot of friends that I graduated with and they were all kind of creating all these ideas for their lines and their ideal brands that they would want to start. And I was just super into the idea of working for a company or a brand that fit my values and my morals and my design aesthetic. That was mm. like, I wanted to climb that ladder, that corporate ladder per se. I don't know why I was so into that now looking back, but yeah. that was my like five-year plan, my 10-year plan. Um, but then I quickly realized that wasn't going to happen. I wasn't really finding the right brand. I, I don't know. It was great until it wasn't kind of thing because I did work in the industry for a little bit, almost four years. And as much as I learned, I learned that that was not the right path for me, but I had to kind of, you know, be involved in it before making, doing my, going my own way. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was like combination of not feeling like I had any purpose working for these bigger brands um, because I was always very interested in sustainability. Right. Um, the combination of that and this like in passing comment my boyfriend made, it was something along the lines of like, weird that you don't want to start your own thing you're you seem like that you have that kind of personality or you're that kind of person that kind of yeah put me into this headspace of thinking about what I would want to do if I was going to do something of my own and I think it was very passive at the beginning I wasn't you know writing down all of these ideas but I noticed that I was changing the way that I was thinking I was more being aware of my surroundings and kind of like what inspired me personally, not so much for my work. Um, I mean, like career work, work, the brand that I worked for, mm. um, but for me personally. Um, but I kept hitting the same roadblock, which was I just didn't find it, like I just didn't see the reason why I needed to create more new clothes, like another new clothing brand, you know, even if it was sustainable, quote unquote, um, just more new clothes like I that was a personally for me something that I just couldn't get past so for I mean it took me a very long time to come up with the concept for Loti to be honest mm. um, I the idea of being like another fashion brand that makes more new clothes felt like a little bit ridiculous just for me personally right um, but because I wanted to do something that held a little more value than just clothing and I think that ended up being the verbal compass that led me to think of the upcycled concept for Loti. Yeah. Amazing. No, that That's makes so kind much of like sense. why, the why of the upcycling. Yeah. Did you feel like when you were working in the industry that had so many roadblocks that kind of fueled you to just make your own path? Is that what it was? Yeah, I started noticing little things here and there and like how much I understand that a business has to have profit, but 
I don't know, just like the sheer lack of any focus on sustainability, even when there was like little things here and there, it just wasn't at all what I thought, you know, more conscious brands were trying to do. Um, and it just started feeling really like bleh all around, kind of like my day to day. And I felt like I was like an active <laughs> negative impact on, you know, the world yeah. that I was working for these brands. And like, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't feel good and it didn't feel inspiring. It didn't feel fun. I, I wasn't challenged in the ways that I wanted to be challenged in sustainability wise. So that's when I was like, oh man, I really have to start thinking of what I can contribute and what I can do. Yeah. It, you mentioned like your purpose and your passions. I feel like that is like the industry kind of put you off when you were working for somewhere else. Maybe yeah. That, that yeah. was like, like that, that fire that was like, no, you gotta just fulfill your purpose somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how it was. I feel like in school, like I did feel that sense of purpose and that passion and that creativity. And then it kind of like, died down real quick as soon as I started working in the industry and like I mean I definitely appreciate everything that I learned and I needed to do that before jumping into doing my own thing but it was like a wake-up call of like this is this cannot be my life <laughs> mm. and I guess it's a good also um kind of dipping your feet into the industry to understand what yeah like what's up right now and like how then you can impactfully drive like Lottie the way it is yeah, no, definitely. It it has given me a lot of like ground to step off from. Yeah. What was those initial barriers that stopped you from making the brand? Um, well, I think the biggest thing, as I said, was just not being able to figure out what I wanted to do because of the fact that I didn't want to create something new. And I first started thinking right. about like, oh, what if I rework vintage? But I did want to kind of like create a business that was like somewhat scalable not like truly one-offs mm. um so yeah I mean it was just like the idea the idea of Loti took right. a really long time to figure out you know with the kind of like textile reuse pillars and like the waste reduction I knew waste reduction was really important to me um, mm. I go to Goodwill an obsessive amount and just like seeing, I, I mean, I love going to Goodwill, but like seeing the amounts of clothes that are there every single day, new clothes going into, you know, this rotation that is either, you know, the 1% that gets bought out by customers or the rest is a goner. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that is such an interesting barrier to pick up on because initially someone else might have just been like, you know, I'm quite scared of starting a brand because... You know, this is that, like financial barriers or like, no, oh, I'm too scared or da 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 da. But no, you got the you got the sustainability challenges like so thought through. The idea of being challenged in starting a brand was kind of like exciting and almost felt like that was pushing me to do it. But I knew I had to have the right idea and getting to that right idea took me a very long time. Like mm. even from the first day that I bought we'll talk more about that later I'm sure but since I the first day that I kind of like knew that I wanted to use men's shirts to like use them in upcycling um it took me like a year to figure out what I actually wanted to do with them yeah you know so it was like a very delayed aha moment <laughs> yeah no just because now we've touched upon men's shirts I I'm sure our listeners as well are so curious why or how did you kind of 
land onto the idea of you know men's shirts as the main source of materials I suppose yeah I mean it was in one of my various trips to Goodwill I think I was going to Goodwill like three or four times a week I was obsessed it was like oh, my wow. house I loved it. <laughs> um, but I always kind of like you know I never looked at the men's section unless I was looking at like blazers which hot tip look at the men's section <laughs> for blazers yeah they have great stuff um but like the I guess the shirting section, I always just like walk by, overlooked, overlooked. And one day I kind of locked eyes with it and it was just empty and so beautiful. And it was all like the most organized section of the entire Goodwill. It was like gleaming white and like pastels, like all perfectly pressed. It looked kind of like the stuff that was in the best condition in the, in the specific Goodwill at least. And I just like walked by it. It was completely packed. I bet there were like over 2000 shirts and just like that aisle. Um, And I like, I even asked one of the associates, I was like, Hey dude, do these shirts get sold at all? And he's like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I mean a few, but barely. Cause yeah, that section was totally empty. And I was kind of like started looking at them and I was like, wow, for upcycling kind of like what I need is a lot of material and good material. And these were like, you know, 100% cotton shirts that I, I personally love working with cotton and wearing cotton. I think cotton is one of the best fabrics out there. Um, so I, that day I bought 300 shirts, like Damn. literally 300 shirts um, because I, like the idea of having these panels you know each shirt has like two fronts two sleeves one big back and it was like these panels of almost like untouched fabric and I was like I can do something with this like I can definitely do something with this so exactly it was like two aha moments aha moment when I realized that I wanted to upcycle these shirts and they felt like the most kind of like free material free form material that I could use to make something totally new you know Mm. um and then the second aha moment was when I finally realized what I wanted to do with them. Yeah, that's amazing. A year do, you later. Normally, <laughs> do you normally source all your all your shirts from secondhand stores? Yes, we've been doing that so far. Like all of the all the dresses you've seen like on our Instagram and what we've have um, in stock right now, kind of for to do our campaigns and whatnot are all made from shirts that we got at actually Goodwill outlet stores. Goodwill outlet stores are the last chance of all Goodwills. Like stuff that doesn't get sold to Goodwill gets sent to these like bins, these huge warehouse full of bins. Some of you may have heard of these or been there themselves. They're very cool, but they're very messy and crazy. (laughs) Um, So we go to the outlet bins. So like, because we also don't want to take away any you know, any clothing that might be bought by someone who actually needs it. So we're going to like the last step, the last resort. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And now actually, let's contextualize also the branding because as this is an audio space, it gets very interesting to describe fashion through Mm -hmm. voice and sounds. So for our listeners who haven't actually come across your work or have seen your dresses before, it would be amazing if you could describe us the, the kind of concept and the theme, the visuals and the aesthetic of the brand and the dresses. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. As a designer, let's hear your your <laughs> own, you know, your own words of adjectives and 
Oh, editing. I don't know about that, but I'll give you my best description. Um, Loti is very, like, the brand aesthetic is very effortless. The colors we use are actually heavily dictated by our materials, which are the shirts. So we use a lot of pastels, bright whites, um, like sky blues. So it's like a very soft and feminine aesthetic um, visually through our colors and our prints. We screen print all of our uh, all of these shirts so and we do the prints in-house so and it's usually like floral floral toilets or like little abstract dots um something kind of like fun but still feminine our shapes our, our silhouettes are really easy to wear um because I wanted the fun you know the fun part to be in the textile development and then the actual pieces to be really effortless you know kind of throw on they have a lot of um adjustability included a lot of elastics and ties and whatnot because i think after this pandemic i do not want to ever <laughs> tight um so i kind of wanted to make all of the pieces the dresses and the shirts for them to be adjustable so they fit your body at any you know our bodies change so sure clothes um yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I love it yeah it's so beautiful honestly I like think. I I love how it I feel like I haven't even worn any yet but I know I'm gonna feel like a princess in ah, the dresses that's what we want <laughs> yeah I think also like generally living in California has really inspired me and like my style I think it's brought you know, just like a love for effortless but fun dressing. Um, mm -hmm. I used to wear a lot of black and now it's kind of like oh, leaving my closet. <laughs> and I'm like so excited about that. So I think Loti is a depiction of that as well. Um, the textiles might be very feminine, but like the styles themselves are a little more easy. So, you know, you can kind of style them to whatever you want or however you feel that day. Yeah, for sure. And I love one of the captions that I saw on your Instagram, which is wearing your boyfriend's shirt to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is kind of funny that we are taking all these like guys shirts and like before the only time that I'd wear these men's shirts was like, you know, my boyfriend's shirt, like my friend's shirt, my partner's shirt, whatever you want to call it. Um, and we're like completely deconstructing them and making these like, you know, very feminine dresses out of them. So it's it's like almost a juxtaposition of what their past lives were, were yeah. and now what they have become. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And especially it's so interesting because we've had other designers on who kind of play on that the gender concepts too but mm -hmm. within you know like power suiting and that mm -hmm. sort of um silhouette but suit. here it's still like empowerment but through so many more feminine details and textures yeah it's it's a total rework of what the garment's kind of like purpose used to be and who it almost served in a way and now it's serving a completely different type of person <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and what is the inspiration behind the visuals of the brand? Mm -hmm. Again, I think it's like very much California. I've been spending a little bit of time up in my boyfriend's family's vineyard. And that has, you know, it just feels so aspirational and light and breezy. And that's kind of what we want the dresses to evoke. Um, they kind of like serve now that we're all at home like these house dresses that make you feel put together but it's like easy to wear um yeah we just like that like angelic feel almost but still always keeping it fun and flirtatious and kind of quirky I think the design of having like that studio vibes 
in our general brand aesthetic is really important because everything is so handmade. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, everything is either designed and made by me or by our team, which I'm sure we'll also talk about. Um, but it is very personal. Yeah. Let's let's dive deeper into the supply chain. So what does that actually look like? Oh, man. <laughs> Creating the supply chain for an upcycled product that actually works has probably been one of the most challenging parts of developing Lodi. Um, I am from Peru. I grew up there. So it was really important to me to bring part of the manufacturing there, especially since Peru is such a textile and apparel hub. So it felt like a true win-win. Um, I was lucky enough to have some personal connections to seamstresses that run their own tiny ateliers, which, and by tiny, I mean like two to three people. Sometimes it's like their oh, own wow. families or, you know, just small, very small teams. Um, we currently have one team working on the actual pieces and another one using the scraps that that first team creates to make all of our zero waste accessories. So we have kind of like two seamstress Clever. teams. Um, yeah, going on. <laughs> and it's nice because um, they set their prices and there is no middleman. Like we are kind of doing the transactions directly. So it's really transparent and easy to work with them. Um, so there's like no haggling, anything like that. Um, and they've always been really transparent with me on what they believe is a fair price um, to create these upcycled pieces, which take a lot of work, <laughs> a lot yeah. of work. It is not your conventional sewing. Um, so it's funny because I worked in the industry and I thought I had all this knowledge about manufacturing and choosing to do something that is upcycling is a totally different system. And we've kind of had to create it from scratch. Um, a lot of trial and error. This also took about a year, a year and a half to kind of get it Jeez, in a place yeah. that it felt, you know, like it was going to work for us. Yeah. Um, we also work with a screen printer who hand screen prints all of our pieces. It's him and his wife. So also hand screen printing every, like every panel, each shirt has five panels. So every single one is a lot of work. Mm. You know, we had to create these huge, massive screens that, because he used to work with like small um, t-shirt screen printing, you know, like a logo right. and things like that. And I mean, we've learned a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, so in a nutshell, our process is first we disassemble the shirts, then they are screen printed, then they are assembled back into our dresses and we create our designs. Also creating the patterns for making these upcycled dresses with our limited panels of fabric is like a whole other process because <laughs> our pattern pieces cannot be big since mm. they won't fit in our panels <laughs> of textiles. So that's that's been tricky too, but that's been figured out. Um, and yeah, and we're actually really excited because we are currently in conversation with some textile mills in Peru um, in order to hopefully use their scrap material. There's, you know, Peru again is a textile hub. They have these places called camiserias, which are factories that just only create woven fabric for shirting and then manufacture the shirting. And I mean, tons of brands that you've definitely heard of ha do their stuff there, like L.L. Bean, Ralph Lauren, Banana Republic, if you check um, the tag of something like your dad or boyfriend shirt, a lot of them will say made in Peru. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're still in conversation with them because we'd love to take their scrap material, which is waste, um, and use that as well. And that would be great because it's already in 
Peru. And that would be just another way for us to upcycle even more. So that's in the works. That's crazy. Wow, that's a lot. And I, and the <laughs> fact that you like built this whole supply chain from scratch, this yeah. whole chain, because I'm sure they haven't, have they? Maybe, is upcycling a big thing over there? No, 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 absolutely no, no. They had no idea what it was. And I mean, I had no idea what it was in terms of like how to make a streamlined chain, supply chain. Um, so we're still testing all of our ideas. <laughs> so I think that's going to be a work in progress for a little bit. But at least right now we're in a space where it all works. And we're just trying to make it even more efficient and better. And that's going to require some time. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure Peru is not the only country that views upcycling as a new craft because I know here in the UK is trying to become more of a trend, especially like along with the whole vintage vibe. But I noticed your brand on Instagram also uses the hashtag rethink upcycling, which I thought was quite interesting. So can you expand a little bit more on that and what that means? Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so yeah, we, we use Rethink Upcycling a lot. And basically, hashtag Rethink Upcycling is a call for both consumers and designers alike to challenge and rethink the aesthetic of upcycled products. Just like sustainable fashion is known for having a look, which we've discussed previously and debunked that that's no longer the case. <laughs> um, there's because there's so many new cool brands that we've talked about and we'll put in the show notes. Um, uh, upcycling fashion, upcycled fashion and upcycled products also have, you know, a look. Um, sometimes they can be a little more out there. They can be a little more risky. You know, I've seen like crazy cool products, but I don't think I could, you know, wear like a blazer that has four sleeves in my day to day. <laughs> I would love to have it in my closet <laughs> and I will definitely be buying some, but I, I definitely wanted to make upcycling a little more accessible for more people. And that's what Rethink Upcycling is about. Um, for designers to also realize that they can upcycle products and it doesn't have to be, you know, this incredibly out there creation. It can be more toned down or it can be more for, you know, a larger group of people if you rethink the way that you are designing your products. And that's kind of what we are trying to do. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's basically a call to open your mind to what upcycling can look like and can be and how it can be used and what types of materials can be upcycled. It's like give upcycling a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's also one of those like mini lockdown, uh, lockdown activities that people try for like a few days and then it just mm-hmm. stops. But <laughs> and we're not advocating for you to stop. You know, like if you want to make your cheese grater uh, flower pot and upcycle it because you don't use your <laughs> cheese grater, you should definitely do that. Um, but we just want to show everyone that there's also another. You know another way to upcycle that doesn't look so crazy which I love the crazy upcycling Let, let's keep it going but also there is another side to it that we are bringing and hopefully filling in this gap in the sustainable market that I'm seeing yeah it's so funny because I just thought about something that you told me off off oh, recording <laughs> about about <laughs> the Pinterest upcycling stuff oh man <laughs> Guys, don't don't search upcycle in Pinterest. Like it is a mess. It's a mess. It's a beautiful so, mess. Sometimes you know you can find <laughs> stuff on there, but that's 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, the vibe is a lot more handmade, a lot more crafted. And again, some products done in that fashion can be gorgeous and fantastic. Um, we're just trying to, you know, shed a different light on upcycling. We want you to love our products and see them and like them to be competitive with products that aren't necessarily sustainable or aren't necessarily upcycled. Yeah, you know, and but if you I actually, see... Hmm? No, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you actually see, like, if you just take your phone and look up Lottie's brand right now, you'll see her dresses are nowhere near, like, the aesthetic of Pinterest oh. upcycling. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's just so different. <laughs> like, you, you wouldn't even notice. So I think, like, that's why there's such a barrier between um, people trying to to try upcycling, I think. <laughs> yeah it's it's and and that is what upcycling is kind of like that's the equivalent of sustainable fashion being bland and boring I think when people think of upcycled fashion upcycled clothes they can think of you know handmade or really wacky and really crazy um so it feels less accessible for a lot of people so yeah we're trying to do things a little bit differently <laughs> Yeah. And you can still see, you know, like I, we want to celebrate the upcycling of these, the beauty of like crafting all of these textiles together. So especially in our, you know, uh, colored dresses, you can see all the different weaves and the different patterns and textures from these upcycled shirts. But then we're screen printing on top of all of these to create a unified um, visual for each piece. You know, yeah. I actually had someone be like, wow, you found all of these shirts with all these flowers with this flower <laughs> print on them. And in my head, I was like, oh, my God, I wish like, no, we, you know, we, we do that. And that's part of our process. And that feels really special um, to unify our pieces and make them, you know, still have the textiles showing through, but have something that still unifies the garment and makes it really wearable and easy. Yeah. We touched a little bit about how, you know, sometimes trying this and like it dies down. So what are your thoughts or advice maybe for someone who wants to kind of approach upcycling in a more long-term basis and, you know, a more sustainable approach to keep it going? I think, I mean, especially if you want to start some sort of business or anything like that, um, definitely experiment a lot. Like it does take some time to for, for me to even rethink upcycling myself. <laughs> it took me a while. And I mean, if I look at my sketches and my ideas from the first few months, I'm like, wow, that really does look like a handmade craft project still. <laughs> um, so it, well, it, it is a lot of trial and error. And I was definitely, you know, looking for inspiration everywhere. Um, but it does take, take some time. I think uh, doing upcycling in a fashion that feels... I mean, there's no wrong way to do it. Absolutely, like, do you, you know? <laughs> if you want to make it fun and funky and crazy, go for it. Um, mm. Because that is a lot better than creating something new from new materials. But if you are more interested in taking the approach that I did, it does take a lot of trial and error and experimentation and finding what techniques you can pull from, you know, regular fashion Put them into this upcycling i mean screen printing is a big one for us that we are going to probably constantly use and that will be a big part of our brand aesthetic um but yeah finding different mending techniques looking into those like there's so beautiful ways to put products together textiles together in this case 
Um, yeah, yeah, decorative techniques as well, beading. There's just, just so much to do, especially with such a malleable um, material like textiles. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, those courses before you like have a major in like a subject or something it's like oh yeah, yeah experimenting yeah. with everything Color and then you theory. go for yeah and you go for that one thing and you go like so much deeper and it gets you more passionate about about the whole the whole subject yeah. in general yeah and i like i still think there's like so many things that i don't feel like a specific connection to and i don't feel personally like creatively capable of doing and that's why then I'll support the people that I think are doing a good job so like upcycling is super specific and if you want to do it go for it and if you want to support other brands that are doing upcycling because you like upcycling but feel you know that you like natural dyes better something else like the sustainability umbrella especially in fashion is so wide there are so many areas that we can kind of dive into um, and support others who are diving into other areas. <laughs> yeah, such an important point because I feel like sometimes people want to, they're quick to, even if in the sustainable fashion industry, it's like so quick to be like, no, that's not sustainable. Even though it's like trying to go in the oh, right man. direction, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like this whole, you know, you don't want sustainable fashion to also become adoptive of cancel culture no it's no, so we don't difficult want that. especially when everyone is just trying to go into the right direction i think as long as we're all transparent with what we're doing there should be little room for any sort of conversation in the cancel culture world i think keeping people accountable is insanely important especially now um but i'm personally more focused in keeping the big big brands that are you know doing the big things accountable um won't name any anyone h&m conscious but (laughs) um (laughs) i think you know let's support small makers small businesses and keep the keep the big guys accountable well everyone accountable i think as long as there's transparency involved we'll be okay yeah big moves awesome and yeah i'm actually interested what are some projects that you are working on right now well um, I don't know if this is a project, but we're working really hard on our launch, which has big project, taken, uh, big project, <laughs> taking up every waking moment of my life. There's so much that goes into a launch. Um, so we're working on that because we are launching very soon and we will announce the date. I feel like I keep teasing that it's coming. It's coming. But I swear it's coming. Um, it's coming. We're going to give our exact dates like very, very soon. And I'm so like overwhelmed and so excited. It's like crazy how much excitement I feel but also like fear of course of like putting something out there because this will be really the first time that Loti is actually like out in the real world and out in the real space and I'm like so curious to see what the reaction is going to be and what feedback I'm going to get um but yeah I'm working really hard on getting getting the launch ready ready to go I would not worry if I was you (laughs) seeing with all the reactions right now damn (laughs) amazing yeah is there a piece of advice or recommendation through for thought that you would like to leave off for our listeners today yeah I don't know I feel like we're going through such a weird crazy time that I would say be kind on yourself and like always keep yourself accountable I'll try to do better every day but give yourself a lot of slack I think for maintaining a sustainable lifestyle you can't like just dive in because that's not 
you know, unless you grew up in a household that your mom was the most sustainable lady or your parents or whoever raised you was the most sustainable people alive. I don't think we all grow up with, you know, all the information and all the, the mindset, the correct mindset. So go slow and, you know, kind of inform yourself to why this is so important. I think that's going to be like the compass for all of us to just keep going forward and figuring out what our own pace is in mm. this in this sustainable journey that I hope if you haven't embarked on yet, you are, hope you're doing this year. It's never too late. Yeah, same. I think even during lockdown, it gave me even so much food for thought in terms of the journey. Definitely. growth. <laughs> and if you ever need inspiration or want information, I mean, we always talk about it in our Instagram, um, which is at shoploti underscore, and it's spelled s-h-o-p-l-o-t-i underscore um you can always dm me and ask me any questions and whatnot i love talking to people amazing everything sounds and looks so good so Mm, those are teasers that i'm really excited about but no good luck for your launch i'm sure it's gonna be great like i wouldn't have anything to worry about without you thank you chelsea Amazing. Thank you so much, Lottie, again for joining me on the Anima Animus podcast. Uh, this was great. Ah, thank you so much. So we may have stopped talking, but that doesn't mean you have to. Join us and the rest of the AA fam on our website at animaanimus.co.uk to connect and continue the conversation within our forum spaces. Please do drop me what your thoughts were on this episode. You can even submit any voice notes, ideas, stories that you'd like me to share on the show. You can also find all the links we've mentioned in this episode in the show notes available on our website. And I would be so, so grateful if you could help me make this show become more discoverable for others by leaving a five-star review on your favorite episode and a social media handle I can contact you with because I would love to connect and thank you all personally. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Thank you so much again for coming through and for listening. I really appreciate you joining this journey with me in driving discussions and creating positive industry change. Once again, I want to send you all a mad, mad love. And until next week, this was the Anima Animas podcast with Chelsea now signing out.